Welcome to No Challenges remaining live at the Western and Southern Open in Cincinnati. I am Ben Rothenberg. I am delighted on this episode to bring you an interview I did last week with Tim Smichek, who is a well-liked American player who has been grinding away on tour since a young age. And just earlier, a couple days ago, when he did not get a qualifying wild card into the U.S. Open, realized that his career was over. That was marked as being his last possible tournament. He, his ranking has slipped a bit, down to 287 currently, and then he's done. His last match winds up being a couple weeks ago in Washington, where he lost in the second round to Milos Ronic after qualifying and winning a round in the main draw. So I just thought it'd be interesting to talk to Tim about the process of stopping a career in tennis. I f- have felt like in my career writing and covering the sport, I have not actually seen that many retirements. It feels like so many players are sticking around for much longer. And I was curious to get a bit of the sense from an athlete leaving the sport about why they choose to leave, what they leave behind. And some of you will be familiar with Tim's career, others not so much. And hopefully this conversation is a bit general at times to the mindset of an athlete. Every athlete is different. Every retirement is different. But hopefully there are some general lessons on time in the sport that you can get from Tim. And certainly if you appreciated Tim's career and his personality as I did when I was on tour. He was always one of the easiest, best people to cover. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy this conversation as well. Here is Tim. Very happy to welcome Tim Smichek back to No Challenges Remaining for the second time, I think. Uh, Tim, thank you for joining us from your hometown, or current hometown of Dallas. We're recording this yeah. during uh, the week of the Rogers Cup in Canada. Uh, I saw you playing last week in Washington at the City Open. You won uh, two matches to qualify over Ramanathan and Gombos, who actually then got to be a lucky loser. And then uh, you beat Matt Ebden in main draw, and then you lost to Milos Ronic in the second round, all of which is good, but maybe not necessarily remarkable per se in your career. It's a relatively good, but kind of standard week, except, I guess, for the fact that the Ronich match could be the last match of your career. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah, I'm, curi- exactly. I'm curious how, uh, why, why that could be, how, how you sort of came to, how, how, you, how you've come to that decision, and I guess why I'm leaving it sort of conditional now, too. Sure, yeah. Well, um, it, was, uh, it was interesting because uh, Milos actually um, asked me after uh, when we were shaking hands if, if that was going to be my last one, and... I didn't have like a, a great answer for him because, um, you know, it, it had always been, uh, my dream and, and I'm sure, uh, most, most Americans, uh, to retire, uh, in, in the, at the U.S. Open in New York. Um, and so my, my rankings kind of, uh, taken a beating this year. Um, I was out for a couple of months with an injury and just haven't had the best year. So, um, at, at this point, I'd be, uh, relying on a, on a wild card into the U.S. Open, so uh, still a little bit unsure. But um, you know that I, I think that kind of helped uh, last week, just um, uh, really making the most of it because I, I wasn't sure, right? I wasn't sure if it was going to uh, be my last time uh, 
uh, playing as a professional. So, um, you know, like you said, it was, it was a good week. It wasn't outstanding. Uh, it was, it was a little bit, uh, you know, the prototypical week for me <laughs> throughout my, uh, throughout my career, which, you know, isn't such a bad thing. I, I, I've gotten through a lot of qualities and won, won a few rounds at, at tournaments and, and, um, you know, I'm very proud of that. Um, so it, it was a good week, but, uh, came up short against Milos. What does it What does it feel like for you? Because you played four matches there, knowing that each one of them, I guess, could be. I guess you're probably pretty safely into Washington quality. I don't remember, I don't remember the entry list, but you kind of. No, knew, you know what? I actually you know? I actually oh. wasn't. Okay. Um, I I was uh, I was several out, and then you know how it goes with these things. They they kind of drop at the last uh, in the last day or so. Um, and I actually uh, reached out to Mark Ein and asked him for a asked him for a wild card, and, and uh, he you know, called me and, and was, uh, very gracious and, and, uh, you know, said, come on, come fly out and, and you'll, uh, you'll be playing Saturday. So that was, that was nice. Uh, there was a, a, a little bit, um, you know, there was a, there's a little bit of anxiety leading up to that cause I actually didn't get in the week before in, in Atlanta. Mm. Um, so, so uh, I was definitely happy to uh, to be to, to see some tennis in DC. How, how does it feel? I guess when you're sort of planning your, because I think a lot of people, a lot of athletes talk in more general or sometimes specific terms about wanting to finish things on their own terms. But I guess how, how does it feel when for you you're you don't know exactly when the end will be? You know, you don't you're you're sort of it's somewhat your decision and somewhat also not your decision if you know Washington is your last or if U.S. Open is your last or. If you even got into Washington, you had to. I guess the, the, you would have gotten in eventually. I think because I think there were some empty spots in that draw. But right. It, but right. if you, yeah, that it's not totally up to you that you can't sort of decide when your last day of of work is. And and, and also, I guess on that, like sort of a separate, similar but separate question, like when you're walking out on court for each of those four matches, how much is that in your head? Like, wow, I might never sort of have a warm-up before a match before again i mean for me personally yeah. that would be i would be very preoccupied with that but i don't know how you how you dealt with it yeah you know um i actually had a little bit of practice with it because um i i went into this year knowing um knowing it would be my last and so uh you know i i had a uh gosh it was it was kind of a tough match uh, qualifying round of the australian open mm-hmm. um and uh played a guy who you know uh, played pretty well but um definitely i was up a set and and had looks in the second and just really played poorly um and i remember coming off the the court thinking like gosh if if that's kind of my my last memory of of uh melbourne that's that's pretty disappointing um so i kind of i kind of just tried to the the rest uh of, of this year um, just try and uh, think about uh, what I'd like uh, to remember about about certain tournaments. Um, and again, like it, it hasn't always been on my own terms, um, and that makes it uh, a little bit tough. But at the same time, you know, I've had <laughs> I've been doing this for 13 years, so I've I've, I've had plenty of opportunities to um, you know go and and make the most of tournaments and everything. So. Uh, it's it, it, looking back kind of no no real regrets in that regard and and um you know i'd be i'd be thrilled if i get to 
playing New York one more time, but if I don't, I, I have some uh, some pretty great memories from there. What what you mentioned that you thinking this was going to be your last year before it started? What made you decide that, or what made you think this was time to put a sort of finished um, date on it? You know, it's, it it had been a little while coming. Um, you know, when I got married, it got a little harder for me to travel. Uh, then when I then we we had my daughter, it became uh, exponentially harder to travel. Um, and and uh, my wife and, and daughter have, have traveled with me a little bit, but um, you know, that's just uh, it, it's a tough life to live, both for you know me and them. So. Um, I, I just knew uh, I knew it was time, and and I also know that uh, I want to have a career outside of tennis. And so um, I'm 31 years old, and and at some point uh, you, you're just uh, kind of delaying the inevitable. So uh, I figured uh, this this uh, fall was as good a time as any. Did you feel like in terms of delaying the inevitable? I guess yeah, every athlete does stop, but we've seen like so many more. I was I think I said this to you, and I was talking about doing this episode. I've been covering tennis sort of full-time on tour since beginning of 2012, more or less. And okay. there haven't been that many high-profile retirements at all in that stretch. I remember there was there was one U.S. Open where um, sort of retirements where you knew it was coming and they were a big name. I mean, there was one U.S. Open where both Kim Clijsters and Andy Roddick retired. Uh, in 20, that was the 2012 U.S. Open. But since then, it feels like there's almost this sort of it's like there's a dam or something in, in the sort of flow of careers and everyone's just stopping and staying there among the top big stars. You know, your Williams yeah. sisters, your Federer, Nadal, all the big yeah. four. Uh, Leighton Hewitt is still theoretically around on tour. Um, Sharapova is still yeah. around. I mean, a lot of a lot of people who have are years removed from their last Grand Slam title in some larger cases than others and who might have stopped, you know, when they turned 30, 31 which have been sort of, or even 27, 28, 29, which were all fairly normal retirement ages in tennis decades ago, um, are all still there. And it, so it seems like there's there's not as many examples of people getting used to people just walking away. And, and yeah. people talk about that. And the main reason, especially for players who are sort of your top 100 players, like someone like a Karlovich or a Feliciano Lopez, who are both in there. Karlovich is 40 now. Feliciano is, I think, 38 um, and what people talk about is there being not that this is their only motivation, but there's so much more money in the sport now at that at those levels that maybe that's part of what keeps careers around. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what it, what it well, seemed what what your sort of what you felt like your life expectancy on tour was going to be, and if, if your thoughts on that changed. And I guess it depends on your sure. ranking and everything like that as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that that that's a, a function of a couple of things, right? Like. Um, Federer and Nadal and Djokovic and Murray, the, uh, they, you know, they really started dominating the sport at a pretty young age. So um, they've stayed up there, and, and um, you know, so you're, and and uh, also on the women's side, Serena and and uh, Sharapova and Venus and, and all these these uh, people, they've they've been. Um, pretty dominant for a long time. So I guess you, you would have uh, fewer <laughs> high profile retirements. Um, so, you know, there'll probably be a, a, a cluster of them uh, in, in the near future. Although who knows when Roger will probably play to at least 50, who knows? Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, sure there, there's a lot more money in tennis uh, now, especially the grand slams. Uh, so that might have something to do with it. But 
I, I think just um, sports in general, uh, the, the life of an athlete is much longer, um, you know, thanks to just um, just what we know now versus what we knew, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago in terms of the, the science of sport and, uh, and, and um, how to uh, take care of our bodies. So uh, I think uh, you can't overlook that either. Yeah. Um, I get, I, I mentioned Roddick and Kleister's and they're the two stick in my mind because I think they're the, they're the two high profile ones. Maybe Hewitt was this way, but then again, Hewitt didn't really fully leave, um, where they both sort of said Kleister's, I think sometime earlier in 2012 and Roddick actually after, midway through the tournament after his first round win said that the 2012 U S open was going to be his first last tournament. And so there was people mm-hmm. watching them sort of with that expectation of, wow, any match could be their last. And that sort of, sure, that's sure. watch. And you said, we were, you were saying when we were talking about when this is going to come out, we're going to put this out after your, uh, whenever your last match is that that's something you specifically did not want, even on a, you know, you're a, a player with a, who cuts a smaller sort of figure on the skate yeah, than well, those and, guys. And but, and why, but, why, but, why, but why did you, uh, why is, why was that something you, wanted just because just because nobody cares right i mean <laughs> it, it, i i had i had a, a, a friend of mine who played uh who played futures a long time ago um and he was you know i, I won't say his name but he was just like an awesome guy super humble very self-deprecating and he decided when he retired after like a two or three year career that he was going to circulate an email and it was like a mock, uh, press release. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, that just kind of stuck in my mind. Like if, if I started, you know, telling people it, yeah, it would be kind of a, a little bit of a, a headache and, and, um, you know, I'd have the same conversation a hundred times over. Um, and, uh, oh, well, while certain people know, and, uh, the, the people that uh, that matter to me know um, and, and uh, you know that's that's fine I'll be I'll be just fine if if I uh, if I get to play New York and I get in and out of there without uh, <laughs> without you know making a huge deal of it because um, at, at, at the end of the day like um, you know the, the people that I'm close with and and uh, that matter to me the most they they know and they're aware of everything and um, and, uh, outside of that, like, I just, I don't think anybody really cares. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think I've, I've heard of players say that too. I mean, players ranked higher than you say similar things about, oh, I'm going to leave and no one, I don't think that's hope. I think that's not entirely true, but, uh, there are certainly a lot of people who've, who, who've watched you and enjoyed watching you play over the years and will be disappointed that you're, that's not an option for them anymore in selfish terms, but, well, um, I appreciate, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just uh, I, I don't see the the point in making a big deal about it. Uh, I, I've I've um, maybe that's just my personality. I'd I'd, no, I'd rather not, uh, you know. What what do you think those what do you think those conversations that you're trying to avoid would be like if it was? Cause I'm just talk me through sort of what you're. You've I'm sure you've been around other guys who've been who, who people have known as me their last tournament and being around the locker room and being at grand slams and every term in particular media and i think for players too it's sort of like for a lot of people i think unless you find ways to aggressively avoid this it's like a lot of making small talk of people constantly sure it's seeing sure. people who you know either well or not well and sort of passing the hallways and 
when maybe you haven't seen in a couple months, but you still see often enough that it's not like a long time reunion. Um, and what, I guess what would that be? What would that be like if if it was if you can imagine yourself sort of the more public? Uh, yeah, that, well, that, that, you know, that's loud. what they. It's a known around the locker room at least that you're hanging because if, if like Ronich knew in, in Washington, then a lot of people must have some idea. Well, yeah, and I think I think Milos was uh, was on the table next to me when I was getting treatment and talking to uh, Paul Ness, uh, okay. one of my the, the the physios that I spend a fair amount of time with. So, um, you know, that was that was just kind of happy accident. And um, you know, uh, they they say about the U.S. Open that you uh, you see you see everyone you've ever known in tennis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just people people pop up that. I mean, last year I, I saw a, a guy that I that was maybe eight years older than me, and uh, maybe I was in tens in, in the Wisconsin <laughs> tournaments, and and he was eighteen, and um, you know just popped up and saw him, and and uh, it was it was crazy. So you you have a lot of those sort of interactions at at the U.S. Open, um, but uh, I guess it would kind of the conversation would kind of go something like hey you know i heard you're not going to be playing tennis anymore what are you going to be doing um are you you sad are you uh you know are you going to miss it and and honestly like i i probably i i don't um i don't want to insult uh people who you know just just love tennis and tennis is their life um because i you know i'm gonna be getting out of tennis and and uh it's just, um, you know, it ha- hasn't been that way for me. I've always loved uh, competing and, uh, you know, uh, just kind of uh, suffering on court and, and embracing the 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 battle of, mm-hmm. of tennis. And, and, you know, the actual tennis part uh, has always seemed a little less important for me. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. probably a function of me, like – not being as talented as a lot of other guys. And, and, uh, you know, you can tell like Roger just loves tennis and I would too, if I could, if I could (laughs) do what he could, you know? So, um, I, I think it's, it's partly that, um, and, you know, just bigger, bigger picture. I, I don't know that, uh, uh, maybe it's a maybe it's a little bit of a defense mechanism because it's like we, uh, all the guys, um, like me at tournaments. You know, you you might get stuck doing a, a an autograph signing for the for the ATP, and then you go out to your stand and like two people show up. So maybe it's like a, a defense mechanism for that sort of thing too. <laughs> but I guess you you start talking about that. I'm, I'm one thing I was curious about because. You mentioned being playing tens in Wisconsin. I mean, tennis has been a big part of your life for the majority of your life, um, and I'm I'm curious, sort of, where you see tennis fitting into your life. I mean, how you would describe it? Because I think people fall on the sort of spectrum of whether it's a big passion of theirs, something that gets them up every morning, or if it's a job, which it has been your occupation, your way of making a living in the last few years. If it sort of vacillates between the two of those, depending on the day, or or, or where it sort of where it fits for you and when you think about what tennis has means to you bigger picture and then just sort of on a day in day out basis in the last few years. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm big, big picture. Tennis has been, you know, um, 
just it, I, I, I certainly do remember when I used to be passionate about tennis. Um, you know, they, they say the, the quickest way to make something um, not so much fun anymore is to make it your job. So mm-hmm. uh, some way along, somewhere along the lines, uh, I, it, it kind of did turn into a job, which is fine. I, you know, I, I know that I've been extremely lucky to, to be a professional t- tennis player and, and make a living, um, you know, traveling the world and, and getting to be on a tennis court in front of people and, and competing. So, um, yeah, tennis has been a, 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 one of the biggest parts of my life for, for most of it. Um, and I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I don't, dislike tennis i'm not like a you know like like in andre agassi's book he talks mm-hmm. about how he how much he hated tennis I, I don't i don't have that sort of relationship with tennis so just uh it's almost like i could take it or leave it a little bit but uh, as, as far as going forward i know that it's gonna be um it, it'll be a part of my life because it's uh you know in in business or finance it's almost like a networking tool so uh i know that i'm not gonna you know, never pick up a racket again by any means. So when, was there a moment that you felt like it turned into a job or where you sort of were like, wow, this is a job and this is not something I just go out and do for fun? Um, probably, uh, so it probably oscillated between, uh, between starting to feel like a job and then not, uh, probably when I was out on the, the futures tour, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I probably played futures from when I was 18 to 21 or so. And, uh, before I got, you know, moved up into the challengers, but, uh, I mean, playing futures is brutal, man. It's, uh, it, it, it can, if, if you're not doing things right, it can be no fun. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was probably around that time that it started feeling like a job and I would, you know, kind of dread going to practice and, and, um, but then, you know, probably when I started to uh, improve my ranking and get into bigger tournaments and start to play the slams, there were, there were definitely, you know, moments that it it uh, felt like, you know, oh, this isn't work. This is this is uh, this is fun. <laughs> well, what were the moments that that felt like the most fun to you? I mean, probably the the ones that that you remember. Um, anytime you're you're playing on center court somewhere, or, you know, you have a huge crowd pulling for you or, uh, that sort of thing. Um, you know, I was, uh, won a few, uh, uh, challenger tournaments throughout my career. And, um, there was, uh, there was definitely a moment probably, uh, end of 20, uh, what was it? End of 2017, I guess. Um, when I won a, a couple of those challengers in the fall and, and, um, just kind of felt like I couldn't do anything wrong on the tennis court. Those were um, those were quite fun. You mentioned those sort of, I guess, the center court moments, like the two sort of. Well, I, I'm guessing you would probably agree the two sort of most high profile moments you had in your career were when you were the last American guy left the U.S. Open in 2013. Uh, yeah, 2013, and you played on grandstanding at Granollers and played a five setter there, and that was like a big sort of raucous atmosphere. And the other one was uh, when you played Nadal. At, yeah. at the Australian Open in night session in Rod Laver Arena, and I'm, I'm assuming those are probably the ones you're thinking of. Yeah, those as are well. the ones that come to mind for sure. Um, for sure. Wh- I mean, when you look look back on those sort of moments, like especially like the Nadal one, because that's you playing against one of the big four guys. I think that's the only. I guess you played 
Murray pretty early in your yeah, career? Yeah, I, I played Murray in L.A. in, uh, I'm going to get it wrong, it might have been like 2010, 20, okay. 09 maybe, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. So before he was all the way established, I guess he was still, it already was clearly a great player, but hadn't won slams yeah, or anything he, yet. I think he was three in the world at the time, okay, but yeah, I, I don't, he, he hadn't won a slam yet. Um, but I'm just curious, like what that sort of, if that moment of being on that stage and, and you did well on that stage, I mean, you pushed it all to five sets, if that sort of gave you like a sort of look into what, how, how the other half lives or something like that, like what those guys' daily or frequent lives is like at slams to be in those sort of atmospheres. And you seemed up for the occasion. You didn't seem daunted by it at all and maybe rose to it. But, but what, if that was sort of an outlier on the rest of your sort of experiences you have you talk about playing oh, yeah. two people like what what compared <laughs> I don't to think 50, there's 000, any... <laughs> what what, yeah, what, yeah, what, what that sort of what that sort of what that sort of vacation to it all land um that's, sh- a, that's you. a good way to describe it you know that's you're, you're you're right about that um it was yeah definitely gonna always remember that um i i i've got uh, a couple of months later in miami i i was a, a huge nerd and i got a hold of a, a photo of of uh, us shaking hands after the match, and I, I asked Rafa to sign it. So I'll probably put that up in my office someday, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, look back on it, I guess. But um, yeah, you, that's a that, that's a really good way to describe it. It was kind of like a vacation into into Rafa land. Um, it was uh, I'll, I'll always remember like that. I kind of prepared myself to, uh, cause I, I remember I was not playing well that week. Uh, I was really struggling with a few things. And, and, um, after I won my first round, uh, I was just like, wow, I, I could go out and lose, uh, three, six Oh sets. Like this could, this could be embarrassing. So I kind of, I kind of prepared myself for that and, and, um, you know, managed to just not be nervous at all. Um, right up, right up until I walked on court and, you know, they, they announced me and there's kind of tepid applause. And then, <laughs> um, and then when I was, when they said his name and the, and the, the ground shook, um, you know, that was a little, I got a little, a little nervous that, that, at that point, but, um, no, it was, it was, it was great. And, and, um, I've, I've watched some of the highlights and I honestly don't, uh, I don't remember, um, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of points that happen. So, um, but I, I definitely tried to soak it all in because uh, I think at the at the time I was I was pretty cognizant that it it, it was a bit of an outlier that uh, that situation. You're you've been super self-deprecating, obviously, this whole thing. I'm curious if you when you were up you're up two sets to one in that match, if you felt like. Obviously, still winning on one more set at a Grand Slam against Nadal is still not per se close to the finish line. Well, I guess you were maybe a couple games away in that fifth set or maybe one game away um, at various points. But if you felt like almost you didn't deserve to win that match or if, or if like, like, hey, I'm just this thinking of yourself as sort of a nobody against this enormous guy. And if that's something yeah, you know, that's I, to process I, in the moment. Yeah, I don't I don't think I ever... Um thought about uh, deserving to win the match i i think um i i think after i won the third um i had i started to think wow this could uh, this could actually happen and then i quickly you know kind of stomped that thought out because 
I mean, how many times have we seen seen uh, Rafa, you know, come back from two sets to one down, or or um, you know, I just I was very aware that that there was a ton of tennis left left to play. So I th- I think I I think I did believe that I could uh, get it done. Um, I'm very proud of myself that I didn't, uh, you know, that I, I went through the fifth and I, I don't think I won because I choked or got nervous or anything like that. He, you know, I made him beat me. So, um, can, uh, can kind of be proud about that. No, for sure. Um, I guess he, that was sort of your one, yeah, you could say your one sort of big stage match at a slam on the main court and against one of the big guys. Um, yeah, you didn't, assuming that the U S open doesn't, <laughs> happen this way you will probably stop playing without playing Federer without playing Djokovic who are two of the other sort of big generational guys that you yeah were lucky yeah. or unlucky enough to overlap with I'm curious if that's that's another thing you don't control at all I mean you were in I'm sure you were in the same draw as Federer for example probably dozens of times sure without, without sure. ever getting to play I'm curious if that's sort of frustrating that you or disappointing or whatever you want to call it that you didn't get the chance yeah. to, to do that and if that's something yeah, you were hope, every every time the draw comes out that's something you sort of have your fingers crossed for um yeah it's kind of it's kind of a um kind of a funny thing yeah of course uh, it's disappointing that um that i've never gotten to play him um but uh i've i've gotten to see him plenty and and uh again not not something I could, uh, you know, have entirely have control over. I guess I could have won a few more matches and played him in the <laughs> deeper in, in draws. That would have that would have solved it, but um, <laughs> just didn't pan out that way. Are, on that sort of point, I mean, are there things that you wish that you had gotten to do that you're sort of now that you're closing this chapter of your career and life that you think back, oh. I would, that would have been nice if I got to do whatever X is. It could be something sure. Or big. What are the, what are I the mean, sort of things you, that stand out? You name it, <laughs> you name it, because there's, there's there's a lot that I didn't uh, uh, accomplish. I guess uh, one of the main main ones would have been uh, playing Davis Cup. Uh, I remember one year I was I was really close. I think to of uh, getting picked. Um, so that's a that's a bummer. I would I would have um, liked to have. Uh, Played for my country, um, so I, I, I disappointed that didn't happen. Um, I think uh, I got just a just a tiny taste of what the the second week of a slam would feel like uh, when I in uh, in 2013 at the Open. So uh, kind of got close to that, and would have been great if I uh, if I had uh, closed that one out. I was up a break in the fifth. That one really that one really hurt. Yeah. Um, but those are those are the two that stick out, I think. What, I guess what about what about tennis in this career? Sort of easy to leave behind, and what's what's harder to leave behind? Oh, I mean, I, I can. I'm so happy that I'm not going to have to travel anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I for you know even even from when from the time I was just kind of starting out on tour, I've just never been a fan of traveling. Um, I mean, especially this time of year, like with in the states and like all the bad weather and and getting delayed and sitting in airports and having flights canceled. That's just, I am I am thrilled that I'm not going to have to travel anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think um, I'll 
ever be able to recreate like um you know being deep in a fifth set and being exhausted and um you know just going to do battle um that's that's definitely something i'll miss it's um the the thing i enjoyed most and and i think post tennis I, I don't know that there's a way to uh experience that you you had a a longer career than probably most guys who try to play professionally definitely than most tries try to play professionally do lasting you know more than a decade in the sport and getting top 100 and all these sort of things i'm, I'm curious i guess you know we talked about the big guys and what their life is like but what do you think you had going for you that most people who try this did not. I mean, what, what made you as good a player as you were? Cause you know, people obviously point to, you're not the biggest or strongest guy, but obviously you were seemed to be a very hard worker. I don't know if it's that simple or, and obviously you have some innate talent and some worked on talent, yeah, but, no, but, but what I, is I, it, but what is it that kept your, your career going as, as well as it did for as long as it did? I, I think it kind of, to a certain extent, it is that simple. Um, yeah, when what what year was it? It was maybe like oh oh eight. So I'd been on tour for two or two three years, and uh, I remember uh, Craig Boynton, who's um, you know still out there coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been you know a bit of a mentor to me, and and uh, you know one of my dear friends. Uh, he sat me down when we were at a challenger somewhere, um, and he said, "Listen, what are your what are your goals for tennis?" And I told him. And he looked at me and he said, do you really think you're doing enough to get there? Um, and, and I was taken aback a little bit. And, you know, I, when I was young, a, a young pro, I wasn't the most professional and I, you know, was uh, the first one to go out and have a few beers after I lost and, mm-hmm. and uh, do that until I uh, played the next week. Um, so, uh, just had a little bit of an aha moment with him and, and, uh, you know, had to come to terms with the, with the fact that, um, you know, if I wanted to reach my goals, uh, the only way I was going to have a, a chance is just to work, work harder than, um, than most. So I, I, I think, uh, that was kind of the, ever since that, that point I've been, um, you know, I can I can rest easy that uh, that I worked uh, as hard as as hard as possible, um, and I think that that's uh, that's probably what um, what made it possible for me to uh, have a, a twelve thirteen year career. Yeah. What what I guess what were those goals of yours that kept you sort of willing to do that? Because lots of people obviously want everyone you know all the juniors when they're playing they say oh I want to be number one and win Grand Slams. They always make it plural. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I'm curious, like what, what your goals were and what kept you sort of, what kept your foot on the, on the gas, uh, for as long as it was. Um, you, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I, I think very early in my professional career, um, I, I kind of forgot about winning slams. <laughs> um, it, it would have been a, um, you know, goals are supposed to be real realistic as well. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to be top 30, uh, okay. didn't quite, didn't quite get there, but, but honestly, if I, if I think about it, there were a few times where I was, where I was actually quite close. Um, maybe not numerically. I think my, my career high was 
68, but I think around those times I, I might have lost, uh, you know, five or six matches in a year where I either served for the match, had match points, that sort of thing. So it was like, you know, it was actually probably relatively close. So, um, that, that was one, um, you know, I had some, I had some monetary goals as well. Okay. Um, but, uh, you know, is it, it's, uh, those are kind of what have to keep you, get, get you up in the morning. Right. Um, if I, if I set a goal and said, you know, I want to be top hundred, uh, and I, and I, reached it and didn't set a new one um you know i think i probably would have retired shortly shortly thereafter <laughs> no for sure for sure and you, it's every week is a sort of new challenge in that way in tennis every week is a reset more or less with a new draw new opponents new chances for points defending points i guess in some cases and, and tennis is sort of yeah tennis and, is built into sort of better or worse there's always another hill to climb every week and at the beginning of every week you're also at the bottom of a new hill and uh, honestly, though, that that can also kind of work against you. Mm. Um, you know, you might go out and get down a set and a break and, and think, well, I, I've got another chance next week. Mm. Um, so it, there's there is that is a good thing. But there's also, uh, you know, uh, there's there's a, a way to think about it, I guess. You mentioned sort of with sort of I'm imagining with a smile on your face. I can't see you, but imagine when you mentioned sort of things like having an office or business finance working things not tennis in the future um i guess two parts of that i'm, I'm curious because a lot of people do sort of stay around the sport like you said what made you decide to want a career outside of tennis distinctly and then secondly what what is it about that sort of life outside tennis that you see from something of a distance and and yearn for what, what is it sort of that you what is it that you crave um, that tennis doesn't have yeah. Uh, so I, I guess first off I knew, um, I knew I didn't want to travel anymore. Um, and so that, you know, that, that kind of coaching somebody is out, um, which I think would have been, uh, could have been a real re rewarding, uh, thing to do, but I, I just can't stomach the idea of traveling, uh, 30 weeks a year anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and and I had to uh, <laughs> uh, I had to uh, write about this actually a little bit for uh, for my application to to school. So uh, I've got a prepared answer for you, but <laughs> I, I, I just started to started to think about how um, you know I I want to be or, or we're we're happiest when we're learning, and I really wanted to be uh, intellectually challenged, and I thought that would make me happier and and uh, be a better uh, husband and, and father uh, when I come home at night. And, and I just didn't, uh, didn't see a way for me to find that uh, in tennis. Um, so, you know, I, I started to figure out that I was going to have to look elsewhere. So you mentioned school. So are you planning on going to school then? Yeah. Yeah. I'm starting, starting this fall. Oh, congratulations. What sort of, what sort of program are you doing? Uh, I'm doing uh, the executive MBA program at uh, Cox School of Business here at SMU. Ah, congratulations! Um, I'm Thank you. Curious, did you do? Did you get an undergrad degree at some point? I I didn't. Okay. Uh, it's like a dirty little secret. Um, you, you, I th I'm sure it, change, it it varies from school to school to school, but they don't uh, they don't 
actually require it for this program. I guess is that something that's one of the sort of choices you made early on in your career, the not going to college route um, and turning pro. I'm curious if that's something. Obviously, we they talk about more people making the choice to go to college these days of the young player, especially with careers being longer. It's sort of how it's packaged anyway. I'm curious what you how you talk about how much you like learning, how you sort of look back on that on that decision of yours. Yeah, uh, I mean, easy, the answer would be to say, oh yeah, I wish I would have you know gone to school for a few years because I was kind of injured my first couple of years as a pro anyway. I didn't really, I, I just bounced around the futures, um, but. I think also, uh, if I'm real honest with myself, I, I don't know that I would have, uh, first of all, my, my, my studies probably would have suffered. Um, one being on an, on a tennis team and two, you know, the extracurriculars, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, and, uh, probably that the, my tennis would have suffered as well. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure I would have, uh, had much of a tennis career, uh, after anyways, now that's, you know, that's just me knowing how I was at 18, 19. So, um, I, uh, I think you see, uh, more and more guys going, going to school. And I think it's a great thing. Um, just given, especially how, uh, one, how much longer careers are lasting and, and two, you know, uh, guys develop. Uh, physically a little bit later so um yeah uh i'm i'm happy with uh with uh what i decided to do and and i think it's kind of i regretted it for a long time but i think it it is kind of uh fallen into place and and tennis has really uh, allowed me to to make um some connections that uh uh, that i never would have made what what sort of connections do you mean um, well, I mean, first of all, I met my, my, my wife, I, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, uh, her, my wife's father was a, uh, his company always sponsors the, uh, or used to sponsor the Irving tournament. So, uh, that's how I, that's how I met her. Um, but you know, just different, uh, different people in, uh, in the sport and then now in, in Dallas, uh, that are going to be great for me to, uh, know professionally, but. I've also uh, met some of my closest lifelong friends through tennis. Uh, I guess sort of last last thing, um, what when you now sort of more or less, again, we still have this sort of asterisk of who knows what happened with the U.S. Open, but if when you look back at sort of 2020 hindsight and your career, um, what what do you what do you see now that you wish you had sort of known from the beginning or, or what do you what would what would you know now from your sort of, you know, tried and true wizened experience that you could tell or try to try to impart on some you know 17 18 year old who's looking to set out in his own way on the tournament yeah. that, that they should that they should know to expect sure um well i mean i it's kind of funny i've actually figured out a few things um like with my game that uh <laughs> that i wish i would have uh figured out a very long time ago uh, it would have made my life a lot easier and um, just like but, tactical things you know, or, or what, what sort of stuff tactical technical um you know i've been working with dustin taylor uh for the last couple of years and we've just um just really built on on things uh throughout so uh i feel like even, even though my ranking might not reflect it I, I really truly feel like i've 
I've gotten better, um, you know, every day since we started working together. Um, you know, other than that, I, I think if I could have told myself um, when I was 17 and deciding to turn pro uh, that I wasn't going to wake up uh, the next day and be 50 in the world, um, you know, I just I, I just thought it was going to be so easy. Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, it took me a little while, obviously, to figure out how hard I was going to have to work. And, and um, uh, I, I really I, I think that's that's it. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's a life lesson, right? I, I'm going to be going through it, um, for the next two years, uh, cause I'm just because of my background, I'm, I'm <laughs> expecting to have to work harder than, uh, than, uh, everybody else in my, uh, yeah. uh, in the program. So, uh, that's kind of the, that's kind of the, the constant, right? Yeah, for sure. Last sort of thing. Again, another last question. I'm just curious if you've, hit both of these notes along the way. But I'm curious on the sort of retirement and you having this future ahead of you being bittersweet, like how you sort of, where the sort of balance is in this, in this moment for you between the bitter and the sweet that it's, I, I, there's an expression I've heard you know, this sort of grave that says, that, you know, everyone dies once, but athletes die twice because they have to sort of end uh, like one end to their, one yeah. end to their lives. That sort of part of their mortality comes earlier in some ways um, when they can't do what they spent their lives doing anymore physically and you probably have i'm guessing you think you probably have i would think you have a couple if you wanted to push physically you could go a little bit longer on that front but if you're not saying it's injuries stopping you really per se but what what, but what is it what where's the sort of line between the, the happy and the and the sad at the at the end of this phase of your your life yeah i you know i i'm sure um i'm sure i will end up being sad at some point um i don't you know, whether it's a few weeks from now, whether it's a few months from now, um, I know that's coming. Um, but right now I'm just, I am really excited to, um, to, you know, get going to school and, and get off the road and be around every day with my, with my wife and daughter. Um, just couldn't be, couldn't be happier. Um, and I know that like there's, uh, the, the whole, the the ego is going to take a little bit of a hit. Um, you know, there's something about, uh, I think, I think we athletes kind of internalize, uh, that we're, you know, we're special because we're, uh, professional athletes. So, uh, there's, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to need to deal with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, again, like right now, I'm just, I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very excited for you. Uh, congratulations on your career. Thank Thanks. you for coming on and doing this. I uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully people enjoyed all your insights as well. Thanks, man.